Own Your Truth with life strategist Laura T. Real advice for regular people. Now, here's Laura. All right. Hello and welcome to Own Your Truth with Laura T, where we're talking to uh, real advice for regular people. I'm Laura T. Thank you so much for listening. I know there's lots of ways that you can spend your time and I'm always grateful that you're going to spend the next hour with me. Today, I am so excited to have Glenn Goodwin as my special guest. Um, Glenn has 20 years experience on the radio and is now, um, in addition to being the network production director on the Family uh, Radio Network, he has his own podcast, um, Doing Life with Goodwin on the Radio. And so we're going to talk to Glenn today about everything from being in radio to having a podcast to I know some of his hobbies. So we're going to ask him some questions about um, some of the inside information I have, because I will share with my listeners that we are related. So we um, are. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Glenn, welcome. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. I'm so uh, honored to be here with you. Thank you for allowing me to share a little bit about my life. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm, I, I get, I think I'm the one who's excited because when I talk radio, like I'm like, okay, tell me, I want to know everything. I love this. Um, I, I, I just, I, I love this aspect of media. And yeah. so with 20 years on the radio, how did that get started? Where did you begin your journey? Oh my goodness. Okay. So going back, I, my dad is an audio video guy, has been an audio video guy pretty much my whole life. When I was growing up, there was always gadgets and gizmos and recording equipment around. And our kitchen table was pretty much his little recording studio. So he was always doing something. So I grew up around equipment, recording equipment. And so then what he did was he would go to conventions and he was their sound guy and he would record them and he would do mass duplication of the conferences. And, and so then as I grew up a little bit, I started doing work for him. So we got to travel quite a lot through the summers, especially. And it was almost like we would go on tour. Almost, it was really cool. I mean, <laughs> Aww, that's had, so awesome. They got an RV. And so it was like, yeah, we're going on this little mini vacation, but it's a tour. And the weekends wouldn't, you know, be in different places around the country. And as I grew older, then I started becoming one of his, I don't know, techie guys. And then he added video to it. So then I became a camera operator and we were a pretty well, a, a pretty much full service AV company. And so I worked for him for about 10 years. And after that, it he was in the genre of cassette duplication that was the Cassettes. big the big thing for many listeners like you may not even remember or know <laughs> about cassettes but back in our day we had a little recorder and we had to put the cassette in press play um, yeah. so that's very cool very cool so we did the conferences and but we sort of the trends were changing technology was changing and he sort of made the transition to CD and everything, but I could tell that things were changing in the industry and I'd always been interested in radio. So I thought, well, this is probably a good time for me to start looking for some something different. And so at one point I came across this 
part-time overnight weekend opportunity on a local radio station. And it was like, oh, sure, let me just try to see what happens there. And it's an interesting thing because I came at a crossroads that I didn't even know I was at because literally 30 minutes before I was supposed to go to an interview, I decided not, not even going to do it. I don't even want to, I don't even want to bother. I just don't feel like going. And I'm like, uh, no, I better, I'll just go. So I was at this crossroads in my life and I, on one little decision, had no clue. No so clue. in that moment, you didn't know if you were actually going to go into the interview or you're just going to turn around and go the other way. That was pretty much it. I was like, I don't even feel like going to this interview. And what happened was I went in and they're telling me about some of the things that the job might you know, include. And I'm like, oh yeah, I've done some of that. And they're like, you've done that? And I'm like, yeah, I, I work with that all the time. You do? And so they hired me on the spot. And when can you start? Kind of a thing. Within three months, the guy that hired me had taken another job and left. And so they, the, the owner or the vice president promoted me. So within three months of starting, I was a supervisor and I was in charge. I had a, a, a full-time crew of about eight and then additional part-time and fill it. So I had this huge crew and like three months into it, I was in the operation side of radio doing my overnights on weekends and running the control room board. So that's where I got my start. Wow. And it just sort of took off from there over the years. And so in talking about direct radio experience, have you found that you go from station to station? Do you tend to stay someplace for a while? How is the, how's your career transpired since getting into radio? So over the past 20 plus years, I think I've been, I have to add it up because radio tends <laughs> to be one of those industries that, you know, some people, I work with a guy that he just celebrated his 40th anniversary here. So he's been at this station that I'm at now wow. for 40 years. Me, I've been in the radio business for over 20 years. I think I've been at like eight different places, something like that. Okay. So uh, my first stint was uh, was a little over five years. Then I spent almost six years at my next stint, and then the other one has the other ones have been shorter, two, three years. There was a couple of stints that were like, "Yeah, thank you. I don't like this place. It doesn't work. Bye bye." It just it. happened that way. Yeah. But um, I'm at the point in my career and life now that it's like I need to not move every. You know, when I, when I married my wife, she's been a gem because she has made about four or five moves in the last five, six years. And we're just like, we're tired of moving. So it's like, this is my goal is to be here until I retire. I'll put in 15 years or whatever. And that's my goal. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, so in, so my next question, maybe you've touched on it a little bit and kind of just sharing how much you've moved, but what is the, the greatest challenge you find being in the radio industry? Oh, man, that is an interesting question. I, I, I technology ever changing is mm -hmm. always keeping up with you know, technology, but that's a good thing. That's fun. To me, almost all of radio is fun. 
maybe not some of the engineering because I don't understand some of the engineering, but uh, most of it is just super fun. Um, probably continuing to um, develop new talent and because with the change of technology, there's been, you know, everybody used to say, well, radio is dying, radio is dying with the new technology, which is so far from the truth. It's still the number one most consumed media that there is. There's, you know, how many thousands of radio stations? They're never going to go away. I mean, AM radio, which we thought, if anything, that's going to go for, it's still very viable. It's just, mm -hmm. they adapt to it. It's still very viable. It does so well for sports radio or talk radio because- right. It may not have the the deep quality that the FM signal has the ability to do, but it's still very viable. Anyway, uh, but just talent and and just finding people sometimes can be a challenge because as the technology changed, so many of the millennials that you know they they're just not in quite as in tune with hey, I want to go on to the terrestrial FM side of radio because there's so many mm. other options like podcasting, like their their little fun internet radio stations and such. Right. So that's a that's sort of a challenge is just finding good talent. And, and so right now, how do you approach that challenge? How are you finding people um, to, to work at the station? So radio with it being such a niche audience there's a lot of people out there that still want to work in radio it's just finding the right ones okay. for your organization so there like i said there there are people out there it's just finding the right ones okay which is sort of a general human resources issue across the board Absolutely. And in, in whether you're in a business or you're on the radio, finding right. the right people for your culture, of the culture of your station, I would assume, um, adds to that that challenge and, and would be similar to finding the right people in a business. Sure. Yep. I agree. Awesome. Well, so um, what what's the most re rewarding part of radio? What's kept you in radio for this many years? Oh, wow. Okay. So uh, there are some fun, fun stuff. <laughs> now I've, I've worked the gamut from being on air to being in promotions and doing events and working with the artists. I got to tell you that when we have a concert or an event and you are sitting down backstage with an artist or it's honestly, it is perks that you cannot buy. Mm. Um, and I don't say that I say that with a humble heart because there are been times, especially when I was in the promotion side of things, that was my goal is to create experiences for listeners that they couldn't buy mm. with, and create those with the artists. So we would have, I, you know, we would get access to the artists for our listeners to do like play ping pong with them or hang out, you know, go do uh, just all sorts of fun stuff. And it's things that they're going to remember for the rest of their life. So as I've come across those opportunities and working with the artist management, and it, artists actually love doing that kind of stuff. Really? That's so cool. Yeah. Especially like the day of the event, because they have a lot of bit, of, a lot of downtime. Okay. That's sort of built into their day. 
And so when you can create a 30 minute little deal or an artist meet and greet or something, they actually love meeting their, their fans. And so it's a lot of fun. So those are, those are some of the fun things that, so that's rewarding is when you can create an experience or be there with your listener who you sort of have a relationship with and they, you know, they have a relationship with you because they are part of your listenership. They are part, they know you from the radio station or they know mm-hmm. the radio station. And then they know the artists that you play there too. So when you can like combine all of that and create that experience for, for them, it, it just, it's all this win, win, win kind of a situation. So those are always fun, good, good rewarding times. That's awesome. Well, so you know, my next question has to be, who has been your favorite artist oh. to meet? And I know that's going to be a hard one for you to answer, but I have to ask it anyway. Wow. Okay. So most of my career, I've worked in Christian radio. So I, I've worked with some phenomenal artists over the years. And what's fun is getting to actually know some of them, you know, when they're like, oh, hey, man, how's it going? When they see you, I'm like, what's up? And, you know, ultimately, <laughs> you're a little bit of a fanboy, even, you know, because, but you're like, they're just, they are just real people. too. So I would say some of the artists, um, Toby Mack, if you're familiar with him, Matthew I West. Yeah. yeah, Matthew West is an amazing guy. Um, Crowder, he's amazing. Skillet, that's like a hard Christian rock group. They, they are just so genuine people. And when you are able to see them, work with them, it's just a ton of fun. But there's so, so many that uh, are just amazing. That's awesome. All right. So now I'll have to go the other way. I'm not going to ask for any names, okay. but what, what, what about, um, do you ever find that some artists behave badly and that, <laughs> that it's not as much fun? And again, no names, but maybe an experience where um, an, you're like, what? And an artist was behaving badly. I've got one for you. Okay. okay. So I was actually, this was many years ago. I was in charge of the VIP meet and greet time. It was, it was set up with the radio station I was working at, but so the artist tent was right by where the meet and greets were going to happen. And the artists were in the tent having their dinner and when the meet and greet time rolled around, you know, it's like you get that you go through, it's like, hey guys, it's time for the meet and greet to start. So there was one group, it was a group, and one of the one of the guys from the group got up and headed out there. The other one took his time. He just waited. He was eating and nobody was gonna pull him away from his food. Okay, <laughs> fine. So, you know, imagine he's gonna come out when he's done. So a few minutes later, five, 10 minutes later, after several people have gone through the meet and greet line, here comes the, the guy that was eating, which is the lead singer. And the guy that had come out previously was, I believe, the bass player. And he just sort of looked around and the other guy showed up and just walked away. And he was just, I guess he was just done. And I don't know if he felt like he was relieved of his duties or what, you know, that, and he just walked, he just walked out of the the meet and greet session meeting with the fans. And I'm thinking, oh, that's so not cool how that just worked out because it, 
you know, artists tend to let it all go to their head sometimes. Not everybody, obviously. Right, But right. there are some. And it was just like he was done. And it's it was unfortunate because it, it appeared like he didn't care about the fans. Which right. the fans are what helped get him where he was. And so we sort of lost sight of that. And I think that that was one of those unfortunate artist behaving badly type yeah. <laughs> events. So, so what do you do in a situation like that? Okay, so the main artist, he, like, they're gone. All right, folks. <laughs> How do you luckily, pull that one together? Luckily, it was a meet and greet that involved a few different groups. Okay. And so there were still some there. And I didn't have to say, well, I guess the meet and greet's over. I didn't have to say that. Uh, so I've never experienced something quite like that. But that was many okay. years ago, and um, they are no longer a group anymore. And I wonder uh, why. Oh, look <laughs> at that. Maybe a little karma. Just Maybe. saying. Just saying. Well, so let's kind of transition from radio over to your podcast. You have this okay. really outstanding, informational, entertaining podcast. You interview really, really cool people. Talk about well, yeah, how- Yeah, because I interviewed you. So yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm not sure how I got in that group, but uh, yeah. um, in general. Um, so how, what had you transition into the podcasting arena? So, you know, as I work here, um, on the air, I come across the opportunity to, hey, you want to have such and such artist, you know, record, do a, be on your morning show. Sure. While I'm doing that, I might as well record them and throw it into something that everybody can listen to a little bit deeper or that opportunity exists like that. There are some artists that maybe we don't even play, but they're you know, play on the air, but yet they're an entertaining individual. People know who they are. Maybe we're getting ready to add a song from them. And so when opportunities arise, do you want to, you know, talk to them? Sure. I'm going to record it and I'm going to package it into a podcast. And it's interesting. And that's pretty much the way I, I uh, you know, perceive some of those, but it's not always just artists because I've, as like I interviewed you, it's, my podcast is sort of set around anybody that has an interesting story to tell. Mm. And so that's the yeah. way I, I packaged it and thought of it of doing life. You know, I'm just doing life with Goodwin on the radio. And so it really isn't theme based because I've had actors and mm. obviously musicians. I've had life coaches and, and consultants and um, just a very, I've had several reality TV people you I, know, uh, I was diving into that next because oh, okay. uh, because you know you had a little Survivor uh, guest got on. Survivor, I've got Big Brother guests that I've had on. <laughs> oh, right, Big Brother uh, too. That's right. Yeah, we talked about yeah. Big Brother. So you know, it's just interesting people that I that I meet or run across, and and it's a fun story to tell that people like to hear from. And it's like, hey, you want to be on my podcast? And luckily, so far. I've had a lot of guesses out of it. So it's great. <laughs> That's awesome. So who is the most, um, I, I won't say interesting, but someone that you you kind of were like, wow, this turned out to be a really great show. So, okay. So if you don't know this, Laura, about me yet, I'm a big fan of the Dukes of Hazard. 
I actually have a Dukes of Hazard car question on here okay. for you. We'll, yes, we'll I do. Totally get to that. Um, so one of my, you know, I grew up watching Dukes of Hazard. John Schneider, Bo Duke is like my, <laughs> and I've had the opportunity to work with him on two or three of occasions, and he is such a cool dude. And so I took one of the interviews that I did on the air and I packaged it into, and that's the, what I did with my very first podcast. I'm like, this is an old interview that I have that I had, you know, recorded, but I just created a podcast out of it because it was fun. And it was mm. sort of my boy idol, you know, Bo Duke. And um, so that's how I kicked off my podcast series with my very first episode was my, one of my interviews that I had done with him. And um, so that one, that was stellar. Uh, one of the other ones that I really enjoyed doing was if, you know, for all the fans that maybe somebody's a fan of, of reality TV, but Christmas Abbott was on two seasons of Big Brother. And that Big Brother is like my, it's my guilty pleasure show. Um, but I love the social inner aspect or the interaction and that aspect of that show and how people can be forced into a situation and how they react and act. Fascinating, uh, it, it right? Fascinating. Fascinating. So the whole big brother concept, I love it. And I've watched it for years and years and years. So I reached out to her. She was a great character, a great person in two different seasons. I reached out to them. They replied, sure. And she was such an interesting interview because she she has done so much. She was the very first NASCAR um, girl on the NASCAR pit crew. Wow. Um, so she set a record as that. She's been on, obviously, the two seasons of Big Brother. She um, has her own fitness and weightlifting um, channel on YouTube, and um, she does personal training and those kinds of things. And so that was a fascinating interview, and she and I have been able to keep in touch since then, and um, that, that was a lot of fun. And so, you know, at some point we're going to do a follow-up with her and, and just sort of catch people up on what's going on in her life. So those are a couple of the ones that sort of stand out to me. That's awesome. So, okay, now we have to go back to the Dukes of Hazard okay. because I obviously have seen pictures of the car. <laughs> so that my question was, so what is the, the love behind the car? It's the show. Talk to me a little bit about your interest in cars. And again, is it just Dukes of Hazard related? I thought I saw interest in like other types of cars as well. It's mostly Dukes of Hazard. Mostly related. Dukes of yeah. Hazard. Okay, okay. <laughs> So I, if you, my office at, at home, which is also my studio is painted orange. There are, there's a shelf full of memorabilia that I have just collected. And I wish that I still had just a few of my childhood toys that I had back then, but I've been able to replace some of them just through collecting. But I have unfortunately spent quite a, a lot of money on collecting <laughs> for use of hazard items. Um, the, obviously, the ultimate goal would be to own a 69 Dodge Charger, which I do not have yet, but that would be the ultimate and dream come true. But I've been to, and with working with John Schneider, you know, and I've been able to be around and um, be in different places where they've had the different events and um, was able to attend one of the movie for premieres that John 
was in and uh, do a red carpet event and interviewing from the red carpet. So that was, that was a ton of fun. Very cool. Um, so yeah, so we've had, we've had some, but yeah, that's my, my fanboy coming out with the Dukes of Hazard. I love it. I love it. I remember Dukes of Hazard every Friday night. That was, it was Dukes of Hazard, Dallas and Falcon Crest. That was the lineup okay. for Friday night. A little embarrassed yeah. that I still remember that, but it is true. All That's right. Awesome. Um, so, so coming back to um, the, the podcasts, you know, there's yes. lots of people out there who are starting to either create their own podcast or thinking about it. What advice do you have for people who are just getting now into the podcast space? I would say figure out what you want it to be, whether you want it to be down a specific topic or if you want it to be more broad. Um, you know, I decided to go with the broad side of things because I don't, I guess I could have made a Dukes of Hazard podcast, but, you know, eventually people are going to be, get tired of hearing me talk about that. So I just wanted it to be everyday people. And because I run across interesting people. And so that's the direction that I thought I could take mine, but, you know, there may be somebody that really is specific with what they're their focus is, you know, I could do a radio podcast, actually, you know, that could have right. been a, a side podcast or a separate that I could have done focused on that because there are so many aspects in radio over the years that you learn about. And um, so I would say that would be the biggest thing. Of course, talk about what you know, you mm. know talk about what you can have input into or, or talk about and have guests and what interests you. Because if it's interesting to you, then you're going to want to listen to it. You're going to want to pay attention to it. And if it's not interesting to you, it'll probably show right. in your podcast. So I would say that. The other thing I would say would be is be consistent. And I put personally, I put one out every week, an episode. Some people put out more than one a week. Some people put out one every two weeks or a month, whatever it is, just so as you create a following and you start telling your friends and your family or if you promote it on social media, so there's an expectation of what it is that that podcast does right. and when it will be available. So those are the two things I would say to give advice on a new podcast host. Awesome. And, and in terms of getting listeners, any suggestions or recommendations, you know, there's, there's so many podcasts out there. Gosh, How yeah. do you bring people to, you know, Goodwin on the radio um, podcast? Yeah. You know, that's, that's an ever, ever, um, I don't know. It's just sort of always there to where you always want to try to grow it. And I don't have all the answers for that because that's one thing that I, I just started at the end of the year. So mine's only been going for, what is it? Five, six months. And, um, but I've, you know, I think that consistency helps yeah. with the growth, mm -hmm. but sharing it on social media, when you have a guest asking them to share it too, because right. then it opens up a whole new set of ears and their circle of influence, but honestly, friends and family, as well, or if you know of somebody that might have a specific interest in one of the topics that you're doing, make sure you shoot it off to them. Um, you, there are podcast groups on Facebook that you can share. Hey, check out my latest. Or if you've got um, 
somebody specific that you know has dealt with something and you're part of a group on Facebook or you can search a group on Facebook or mm-hmm. Instagram or whatever, shoot it to them, you know, join that group just for the networking side of it, uh, just to continue to, to grow it and get it out to more listeners. Currently, and again, my podcast is only five months old, but it's pretty cool when I look at the, the countries that I believe it's six different countries of people. That's that, awesome. That if somebody's listened to my podcast, I have no idea how they came across it, but they did. But of course, using the platforms is pretty simple to do now. Right. Um, where you can throw it on one platform and they share it to five other platforms where people are listening. I think, um, let's see, I think, well, Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, uh, and Anchor, I think, are my three most listened to. Okay. Uh, you know, the platforms that people listen mostly on um, when I was looking at some of those numbers just the other day. So uh, making sure that you're not just pigeonholed just the one platform, that, that would, that's good too, is make sure you get it out there on as many platforms as you can. Awesome. So how are you using, and I bring this up because I do follow you on Facebook um, and on Instagram, you are like the meme king. (laughs) Um, How are you using social media? I mean, I just find your stuff so entertaining and so fun. It is what I look forward to every day. So um, how, how are you using social media to either enhance, you know, listeners or even just grow your following? So I actually, my personal network is people mostly in the industry, in the radio industry or personal friends or family or whatever. So I actually have my own personal um, page, but then I created the good one on the radio page, which then is my sort of, okay, this is what I'm going to do over here. So I actually do anything and everything that shows my personality, which you're sort of talking about, the fun memes. So I probably need to start charging people as they come across. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Find um, a new revenue source. Yeah, totally. But you know what? I love funny memes. And so I'm constantly searching for funny memes every once in a while. You know, if I create one, I'm going to share it on Good One on the Radio. And I share some of that on my personal page. But when I share some of those on my personal page, I'll even say, for more funny memes, follow me at Good One on the Radio. So I'm even telling my my own personal network, you know, hey, if you want to follow that, go over there and follow it because there's even more content. And it's, you know, social network. Instagram and Facebook are the two that I use the most. Um, I, I throw things on Twitter just because I can connect to it, and but I, I really don't use Twitter. But Instagram obviously is the is one of the greatest places for memes because that's pretty much all Instagram is, is either memes or video. But I know, and I haven't gotten into TikTok and I haven't gotten into (laughs) some of those other ones, at least not yet. But I mean, I'm sure that I probably could if I wanted to take more time with it. Right. Well, I mean, I think that that's the the greatest challenge, right? Is when you're doing what you're what you love, right? You're on the radio. Right. You've got your podcast. All of these things take time, and yet yeah. it's it it's to help grow what you love, but it also right. takes you away from the thing that you love. Um, how do you create? How do you create balance in your world? You started telling me before we started recording, like all of the things that you're involved in right now. <laughs> yeah. How do you create balance in your world, given all the different platforms you're on? 
the different radio stations uh, you're on. How do you do that? Sometimes it's hard. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> Like last night, I was like, it's eight o'clock. I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I get up um, at four or something every day to come in and start the morning show at the radio station I'm at that I do mornings. And then uh, after I get off the air, then I do the production here. And I'm, I, my goal is to be out of here every day by two. And so that's, you know, it's basically a normal work day. Then I go home and I record and I do middays for a radio station in North Dakota. And um, then the podcast, I work it in when I can, because what I usually do is I record out anywhere from, you know, one to three to four weeks mm-hmm. on a lot of the podcasts. So I've always got that. I mean, I've got a couple of unedited recordings right now so when if if I find time or a little downtime and I want to pull it up and sort of edit it out um that way I'm not like pressed for time to get it ready for posting and I post mine and I schedule them you know scheduling those kind of things I schedule them to post every Monday morning at 8 Mm a.m and usually you know like right now I think I only have one week ready to go so I'm getting a little nervous because (laughs) what in two weeks what am I going to do no I've got but I'll get them done right Um, but at least so I'm not like behind the eight ball I'm doing that and I'll just work it in because again it's entertainment to me because I like it Mm -hmm. and so when you're passionate about something or you're having fun with something then it's not work it doesn't fun. feel as much so like work, right yeah so when I'm doing radio or I'm doing the podcast or it's not so much as work as man I'm having fun which makes it a lot easier to do <laughs> that's awesome and there you know there are so few people who um, are creating their life experience that way. That's something I talk a lot about on my podcast and when I'm being interviewed is, you know, creating this ideal life experience. And so with that, we'll segue over to some of the things that I read are your hobbies. Um, okay. Like, and and then, so we'll talk about the yes. other things outside of work that fill you up um, and sort of close on those activities. But did I see antiquing? that that you and Carrie do some antiquing so talk a little bit about about that right. and your finds so, yeah so <laughs> all right so we love going to auctions auctions okay. auctions or what it was yeah well, so we love going to auctions but we have a booth at an antique mall okay because we decided we love the auctions and there are so many things that we like to buy but you know if we just bought stuff for the fun of it, our house would be a wreck. We would be hoarders. <laughs> so we realized, you know what? A lot of those things we could make money by buying at an auction and reselling. So we've been doing this for the last several years because we like auctions so much. We decided to go down the resale route and make some money doing it. So it basically provides a hobby that supports itself. Awesome. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much the way. And we usually go to our booth, maybe stop by 30 minutes an hour each weekend just to check it out, maybe rearrange some things, put in some new stuff. And it pretty much just sort of, uh, well, I should say the goal is to pay for the hobby. <laughs> but I'm sure that we have more inventory now than we've sold in a in recent while, but <laughs> that's the goal. 
Yeah. Well, I'm sure, especially if it's a booth that's been a little bit hard during COVID where, you know, for a long time, people weren't even going out and going shopping. So now hopefully um, you'll see that business pick up. That's so fun. I love that. That's great. So we just like the collectibles and and the fun stuff, you know, and it's pretty much when we're on an auction, it's like, oh, if I like that and I think I can make some money on it. Okay, cool. Let's buy it. It just makes it fun. That's awesome. And, and I like And it's that. decorated our house pretty nicely too. We do keep. <laughs> you do keep things. some of it. You yeah. do keep some of it. Well, with all of these moves, you get a chance to mix things up, right? Like you can That's take true. things from your booth and then <laughs> switch them out of yes. your house. Yeah. Well, hopefully no more moves. That's the goal. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> all right. So then the, the last question I have again is sort of on that. Did I see that your sci-fi, um, no, it was, um, let's see your, your favorite television shows are crime, true crime series. Oh, yes. Okay. So, my so talk wife, about this. Yes, yes, yes. So my wife is, um, a criminology major has a degree and I just am also fascinated with true crime and so we absolutely love documentaries and true crime stuff. I know it's just sort of weird, but we do. And so we live in Wisconsin now. I don't know if you ever watched Making a Murderer. No. Okay. So it's a two series long docudrama documentary about a murder suspect in, in Wisconsin anyway. So we've been there. We've, we went to the location. We we've like, oh, this is where this happened. And we've done all that. But we also decided um, for our fifth anniversary, we took a trip to California and it became a true crime trip, basically. Because what we did, we went to all these different locations where true crimes have happened. This sounds horrible, doesn't no, it? No, you could, like this could be a podcast. Like totally this could be. be its own show that you there and Carrie are, could do together. There are true crime podcasts. There are many of them. But we went to the Nicole Brown Simpson murder scene. We went to. Did you really? We went up in the hills where the Manson murders had taken place. We went to. Um, let's see. The Zodiac Killer, like where one of those murders to take. I mean, we were just fascinated by it all, and yeah. So we like true crime. It's just so. So this is so cool. Do you now? You said you went to California, but did you mean to do that? Like, did you map this stuff out in advance, or was it like, okay, we're here, let's check it out, and then once you started, you couldn't stop. It was pretty much mapped out and so, and we went to Alcatraz and we, you know, so it was like, we didn't totally mean to do this, but when we're like, we're like, this is a true crime trip, you know, it's like, how did that sort of happen? But you know what? We both were like, that was the best trip ever, ever. And to top it off, when we, we came out of Alcatraz, we walked back to our car and our car had gotten broken into so it was like, so now we're part of true crime. So it was Are just you like, serious. That's crazy. It was just weird, but it was just the most fun trip ever. I know. I think we should like package that and sell that package and say these are the places and how to get there. No, and where I think to go. people would be so into that. I think that's totally. awesome. Yeah, we I don't went know to where OJ's house was, OJ Simpson's house, which had been torn down. 
We oh, we went to where the Menendez murders took place. Seriously, we're like we're sitting out in front of this house. Yeah, and we're like, and their front door was up, and we're like, yep, right there's the cow. You know, like that's where they were. I mean, it was, it was, (laughs) it was a lot of fun. Now, so I don't know if I would be a little creeped out like yeah. doing that, like if I like if I would be able to, but I find that so cool. My daughter would be so into it. She loves true crime. I mean, totally. she will sit there and watch hours upon hours. I would totally take that trip and be like somebody's tour guide. We would, we would totally do that. That would be so much fun. But you know, the thing about it was when we did it and we were in these locations, it almost became surreal because yeah. you've seen these places on TV and then you look, you know, we sat there and we looked up where this murder took place of the Zodiac killer. And, and then the Zodiac supposedly walked down the street, you know, and we're like, this is the road right here is what, I mean, and I have goosebumps. I wasn't even there. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was, I don't know. It, it's, it was surreal, but it was so fun. That is know. so cool. All right. So anyway, but as I, no, I love yeah. this. This is awesome. <laughs> and as we wrap up, just know Glenn and Carrie are available for tours of yes. true crime sites. Totally do that. Yes. How can my listeners um, get in touch with you, follow you, learn more about you, listen to you? Tell us how we can stay in touch with you. For sure. Okay. So I am my podcast is on pretty much the platforms, you know, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, probably name it, you're going to find it. Um, just search uh, Doing Life with Goodwin on the Radio, the podcast. That's the name of it. I don't know why, because it just came to me. Are you sure you want to do that name? Yeah, sure. I don't have anything yeah. Doing Life with Goodwin on the Radio, the podcast. And then if they want to find me on social media, at Goodwin on the radio on Facebook or on Instagram is the best place to follow me there. And it's got some of the info, um, the radio station that I work full time and I do the morning show for is the family FM radio network. It's Christian radio, um, here in Wisconsin, uh, stations all across the state. And then I'm on, it's actually 103.7, The Connection in North Dakota on the Midday Show, if you want to hear me on Middays, and you can find that all online too. And email, even if somebody wanted to reach out via email, pretty easy, Glenn Goodwin, two N's, Glenn with two N's, Glenn Goodwin at gmail.com. I was the original Glenn Goodwin awesome. on, at Gmail. <laughs> gmail. <laughs> I was the first one. Brooklyn Goodwin on on that. Yeah. So I don't have any numbers. It's just my name at gmail.com. Awesome. So reach out to Glenn, listen to his podcast. Glenn, thank you so much for being on Own Your Truth with Laura T. It's always awesome to spend time with you. This was so much fun. Thank you for coming on today. Oh, you know what we didn't do? (laughs) We didn't tell people how we're related. Oh, I thought I mentioned. I I didn't. Or you did. Or maybe I was thinking. Oh, I I missed it. So Glenn is married to my beautiful cousin, Carrie, um, and they live out in the Midwest. So I only get to see them this way via internet (laughs) and online. And um, so, yes, it is my dad's twin sister's daughter um, is is how we're related. So um, just we're we're I keep telling them they need to come to the east yes. coast to visit us yes. so that um, whenever I refer to you I always say my cousin Laura and even the, when I'm talking to my wife Carrie I'm like my cousin Laura 
And I I'm going to go talk. I'm going to go talk to my cousin Laura. Well, and all three of our birthdays are like, like literally right there on top of Your each other. Your birthday and my birthday are the, the same. same day, which that was pretty awesome. To find I thought out. that was so cool. Yes. I didn't. My wife's is the next day. Yeah. And I didn't know that before this year, which is so bizarre. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second. No wonder we're connected. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. That's awesome. Thank well, you then, so much. Thank you for being on today. And um, again, I can't wait till the next time. Sounds good. For all my listeners, thank you. Um, check out Own Your Truth on iTunes um, and wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.